Good evening. Welcome to Chew on the Word. And as you know, I'm not Pastor Chew, I'm Mrs. Chew. But praise God, you're willing to welcome me, right? Today I'm going to share about Elijah in 1 Kings chapter 19. Why am I sharing about this? Because 2020 is truly been a year that is full of battles. Even in our home country, there's battles on the political front, there's battles at work front. So many people at the work areas are almost giving up because there's been so many changes. One moment they open a, a food and beverage, then next, a couple of months later, the whole thing changes again. It's a battle to even survive. Even for parents, having young children and they're working from home. Work from home is becomes a battle because how do you work from home when you have kids at home and you have to even parent them at home over their schools? So this is truly a year about many battlefronts. And in the midst of all these many battlefronts, many people are becoming battle weary. And so I thought that 1 Kings 19 is truly an appropriate time for me to even engage with this story in the story of Elijah. One of the things we need to learn about Elijah is that he's not a superhero. He's not a superman. We always think that these great men of the Bible, they are so extraordinary. But you know, Elijah is described in the Bible in James chapter 5 as a man just like us. In other words, he, like us, can become battle-weary. And so in 1 Kings 19, Elijah has gone through an intense season. And for him, the battles he had to fight started way before 1 Kings 19. We know that he appears on the scene in 1 Kings 17 in a time of a famine, as he announced a famine, prophesied a famine into Israel. But do you know something? When God is dealing with nations, which is why there's such an intensity of battle, the Christians, the believers of God, are not, are not isolated from these uh, intense times as well, the stress of the times. Elijah, like everyone else, had to face the famine. Three years of famine is a long time. But even after the three years of famine, he now had to go to face the next battle, a big spiritual battle fighting the prophets of Baal in 1 Kings chapter 18. And he won a great victory. It was a tremendous victory where fire came down from heaven and the prophets of Baal, 450 prophets of Baal, was slaughtered. But even as the battle raged on, on the spiritual front, by the time he reached 1 Kings 19, I think he had become battle-weary because this is what happened. So join me in reading 1 Kings chapter 19 and I'm going to read verse 1, all right? Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done, how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there, while he himself went a day's journey into the desert. He came to a broom tree, sat down under it and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the tree and fell asleep. Here is Elijah. He has been facing many battles. 
battles of, on, on about physical battle of famine, his spiritual battles, political battles of King Ahab, and now he faces a real challenge, Jezebel. The moment Jezebel said, "I'm going to go for this man, I'm going to kill him," Elijah, it says here in verse two, ran, became afraid. So Elijah is like all of us, in the midst of facing a real challenge, a real threat to his life. Like all of us, he became afraid. So that's the first thing we need to recognize. Even Elijah, when faced with real physical threat to his life, he could feel fear, and he was afraid. But the second thing Elijah also faced, when he ran for his life, he went away, and he went to. It says in verse four, he went to the desert, and he came to a place. He sat down and he prayed this: "I have had enough." Take my life! I'm no better than my ancestors. So what was happening here? This is the scenario. Why did Elijah reach a state where he wanted to die? Because number one, the challenges facing him was real. Elijah's threat for his life was real. He was still made of flesh and blood, and a threat to his life is a threat to his life, and so that was real. The challenges he was facing the Physical battle for his life was real. Secondly, the second thing he recognized that he was a real man. He recognized his humanity. You may say, "I am no better than my ancestors." He realized, "I'm not Superman. I am a real person. I can die, and I'm tired. I'm worn out." And that's why he says to the Lord, "I've had enough. Take my life." You know, when we look at life and its challenges this year, there are many of us, even great. I'm talking to people who are good men, people who are strong people, people who are really standing in there. You may be a, a, a father standing in there for your family, trying to make the best for your family. You might be even be a church leader. You might even be a worker out in the in the. Somebody working out there, and in spite of all the challenges at work, you are the best worker out there. You're trying to keep the company going, and you're fighting hard to keep the company alive. But all these battles take a toll upon us, because in the midst of that, there's still a lot of fear, and that is why when we face these challenges, we got to take take stock of the realities of life. What is the realities that Elijah faced? Real threat to his life. Secondly, he's only human. He's no better than all the prophets that gone ahead of him. And thirdly, he was tired. He wanted to give up. I believe that in the midst of that, God is saying something to us from this story that we can learn. So let's continue to look at what happened then to Elijah. What did God do for Elijah? How did God restore Elijah from a person that had been so worn out by the battles to someone who would continue with the call of God over his life? How was he going to do it? So I look at the way God ministered to Elijah. The first thing that's very good about Elijah is that he went to God to talk. Right? He he sought. He found God to be his closest confidant, someone that he could pour out himself to. And the good news is that when he went to, went away from everyone and went into the desert, he talked to the Lord and he told the Lord, "I've had enough." 
So the Lord began to minister to him. And you look at the way God ministered to him. Three things God ministered to him. The first is God gave him physical rest. So from verse, so let's look at it. Look at verse 5 to verse 8. The angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He ate and he drank and he slept again. Second time, verse 7, the angel touched him. Again, the second time, get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank. The journey ahead is too much for us if we don't stop and begin to eat proper food and get proper rest to look after our bodies. When we are exhausted, it's not just our brains that's exhausted. It's not even just that our spirit is exhausted, that our body is also exhausted. And one of the most important things when we're dealing with battle weariness as Elijah was, is to recognize that we must look after ourselves physically, emotionally, mentally, and spiritually. You cannot just be a spiritual giant and forget that you need to eat and you need to sleep. You need to get exercise and you need to get refreshment, fresh air. A walk in the park would be a good idea. Just going out somewhere would be a good idea. So that's one of the first things that God ministered to him, just food and drink and sleep. But the second thing God did to him is also interesting. So let's continue, shall we? So here we have in verse 9, first of all, Elijah goes to Mount Horeb, the mountain of God. And I love this. Mount Horeb, the mountain of God, is the place of his communion with God. So he went back to something he was familiar with. You know, when we are very tired and very worn down, we need to go back to a place that we, we can connect with God again. We can connect with our soul again. We can connect with our spirit again. So he went to Mount Horeb, obviously a place where he's used to. And as he went down there and he spent the night there, God spoke to him. And the word of the Lord came to him and says, What are you doing here, Elijah? And the, he replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, broken down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they're even trying to kill me. Now, this conversation goes on twice, all right? But as you look at this conversation, what was God doing to Elijah? God was speaking to the soul of Elijah. God was speaking to Elijah to help him un unravel his mind, unravel his thoughts. God was giving him space to talk and to talk blatantly, to talk vulnerably, to talk authentically. This is so important. He found, Elijah found in God a safe place, someone safe he could talk to, be authentic with, and be in touch with his real soul. So he came to God and says, You know what, God? I'm the only one that's really zealous for you. You know what, God? Everyone has rejected you. Everyone has forgotten about you. And look at this. I'm the only one left. And even now, they're coming to kill me. That's the fact, God. So he was actually telling God, God, I'm the only one. You know that. You know that. He was as authentic as he could get. Now, this is very important. It's very important to have authentic conversations. So what was God doing? God was giving him a moment to have an authentic moment with him. And this is what is so important. 
and authentic communication is an important moment. Talking out how we really feel inside. God was allowing Elijah not just to have physical rest. Now his soul needs to be connected back to himself. God was connecting his soul back to himself. But the third thing is really good. And this part you all know, God told him, you go into the cave, I'm going to come to you. And I'm going to come to you in the, in the wind, in the earthquake and in the fire. So let's look at verse 12. God was not in the wind, God was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. But after the fire came a gentle whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he knew it was God. He put his cloak and he stood in the cave. And the voice came to him a second time. What are you doing here? Again, he had this authentic conversation with the Lord. One more time. You know, when God speaks to us, it's a still small voice. Actually, to me, it indicates that when God spoke to Elijah, it was not to overwhelm him. It was to give him an opportunity to unravel himself. He was speaking to him in the quietness of his soul, enabling him to unravel himself a second time. This is so profound, but I'm going to come back to it in a while. Let me just complete what God did to Elijah. So look at what God to Elijah. How did God minister to Elijah? God ministered to Elijah by giving Elijah physical rest, food, sleep, and rest. Sleep, food, and drink is physical rest. Then God ministers to Elijah by allowing him to talk, not overwhelming him with so much happenings, earthquake, wind, eruptions, fire, not all that thundery and lightning stuff, but just a still small voice. God ministered to him by listening to him, drawing out from him and his soul a time when he can connect with his own soul. That's how God ministered to him. The third thing God ministered to him is now found in verse 15 to verse 18. So the Lord said to him, go back the way you came, go back to the desert of Damascus, go back there, anoint Hazel, king over Arab, anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi. Verse 16 is important. Anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, Elisha, to succeed you. And I, and verse 18, and I have reserved 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal and whose mouths have not kissed him. Now, let me just put this in perspective, all right? Don't look about the, the complication in between. In between verse 15 to verse 18, God was basically ministering to Elijah's perspective, telling Elijah something. Even as he had spoken, now that he was refreshed, he had more physical energy, and his soul felt was being, as God drew out from him, how what he was struggling with deep inside him, God could now talk to him. After listening to him, only then God shared with him a big perspective. What was the best big perspective? The first thing was this, he was not alone. He was not the only one left. There were 7,000 other people like him who had not bowed down their feet to Baal. He was not the only courageous man serving God. He was not the only one holding down the fort. He was not the only one carrying the burdens. The second thing God told him is that 
God was giving him companions, other people who would finish the job for him. He was not the only person that would be carrying this burden, not the only person that would finish the job. Jehu would finish the job. A king called Hazil would finish the job. But God gave him above all Elisha. Elisha would become a great companion to Elijah. Now, what does God teach me in the midst of all this? Let me just share with you. What is the application to the story of Elijah who went through battle fatigue? The answer to our battle fatigue lies in three words. The first word is care. God cares that we need to care for our own bodies, care for our minds, care for our families, care for ourselves. So the first word is care. In the midst of battle fatigues, in the midst of being the only person you feel like the only person out there in the workplace, really maintaining that working world, trying to do your best when every one of your colleagues are falling apart. If you feel you are the only one in the family, managing all the pressures in the family, even for us in church, we might feel like, wow, our church is the only one that's carrying this burden of fighting COVID, praying, building the prayer wall. We might find we are the only pastor that is understanding what's happening. In the midst of all that, and we feel weary and worn down by all the constant changes, by all the political dramas, by all the spiritual forces, even as we bear that burden, do not forget, the first thing is this, we must care for our own bodies, sleep and rest. The second thing we must also realize is that we must have a place of communion. We must connect to someone. The best person to connect with, if you're used to it, is of course the Lord. For those of us who have spent lots of time connecting to God, who in our whole life, God has become our best friend, is truly a wonderful thing. I must confess that the place of my deepest communion is still with the Lord. Because for me, I've grown used to Him, that He never judges me, He never finds fault with me, but is truly deeply concerned about my life. So if you are so fortunate as that, do return to the place of communion with the Lord. But if you don't have that, it is so important that the second seed is that you must connect with a friend. What type of friend? A friend who will listen to you and not just listen for listening's sake, but as they listen, they're interested in your inner struggles that you're going through. They're interested to hear you share how frustrated you are. They're interested and they will not judge you when you say, you know what? I'm the only one left. Every one of you are useless. They are not going to judge you. You must find a place like that. You know, I want to encourage you to believe that there are people who are willing to hear you out. In fact, do you know something? Our whole leaders advance is encouraging us not just to function and to serve, but to find friendship where we can have authentic sharing, where nobody will judge each other and nobody will also offer great opinions or great advice. Just a place to, to someone to hear us out. God heard Elisha out. I don't know how long that conversation meant. I mean, in the Bible, it's only a few verses. It could have been days. It could have been days that God just sat there and listened to Elijah. Sorry, it's Elijah, not Elisha. God listened to Elijah. So the second thing we must do to combat 
the weariness of our soul, the weariness of our times, the weariness of these battles. The first is to find, to care for our bodies. The second is to connect with someone who will now be a good listener, who will not judge us, who will not find fault with us, or even give us great advice. Just someone who would listen to us. And may we become also someone's friend who can, if you have a friend who is going through that, just let listen, listen, and let the person be authentic. But the third thing is also important. God is saying to you and to me, I have companions reserved to help you. We cannot do this great job alone. Do you know, changes are coming into the world that will require us to believe that there are more people who are willing to join us in this battle than we realize. And that is why I believe it's a season we need to stay connected with others in the church or even in your own friendships because God is going to give us a network of friends, a network of companions. So in summary, if you are going through battle weariness because of the whole of the way this year has been, or you know someone who feels absolutely worn out by this year, go to that person and share with him, hey, have you taken a break? Have you eaten enough? Have you had fresh air? Have you gone for exercise? Care for your body. Secondly, go to that person and say, may perhaps, can you share with me just everything you're going to? And just listen. Don't even say a word. Just listen. And if you are going through that, I believe God will give you someone who will listen to you. So that person allows you to connect. So care for your body. Connect with someone who can allow you to share authentically so that you can vent out, you can be authentic. And thirdly, I want you to be greatly encouraged. God will give you companions. Companionship is very important. There are more people outside there that are willing to join you in doing that job. There are many people out there who are really interested in doing what's in joining you in fighting these battles, whether it's at the work front or whether it's in church or whether it is in your homes. I believe that with all my heart. And that is why, can I just encourage you? God is saying to us, connect with God, connect with each other and connect to a world bigger than ourselves where God will even give you a network of people who will help you complete the job. You know something interesting about Elijah? After that, he continued to function. He continued to function. He could run the race. He could finish his, his course. And that's what God is saying to us. God is saying even to me, I don't want you to become battle weary. I want you to take care of yourself bodily, physically. I also want you to take care of your soul. Do spend time, do have friends that you can connect with that is able, that you can share from the bottom of your heart, your frustrations, and they will not judge you. And above all, always have this perspective. There are more people out there willing to join you in this battle than you realize. Praise the Lord. Even as we close tonight, remember these three words. Care for yourself. Connect with other people who, to whom you can share what you have gone through. And remember this, God has given you companions. Amen. And of course, don't forget, commune with the Lord. Amen. Commune with the Lord. He knows what you're going through. 
So let's close with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, today you have said to us that Elijah was a man just like us, battle-weary. And at the time that he was battle-weary, you provided him food, drinks, and rest. And when he was battle-weary, you talked to him. But you didn't do the talking. He did all the talking and you did the listening. And Lord, at the end of it, you gave him friends, other companions who would join him in his battle against darkness and evil. Father, we know that we are in a season of world history where the forces of darkness are surrounding us. But Lord, we thank you. You will always minister to our bodies, our soul, and even our need for friendship. And Father, we thank you. There are 7,000 people like us who want to join us in this battle. So Father, even as we spend tonight with our family, Father, I want to bless every family. Father, I bless every person that's gathered together, even perhaps in cell groups, even perhaps in small group, friendship groups, to hear tonight's Chew on the Word. May they now connect as friends, hearing each other, authentic journey. And now, Lord, may you give us all a perspective that there are many more like us who can encourage us and support us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for joining me tonight. See you next week. Thank you.